Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. Thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. It's time for day number six at the NFL Scouting Combine. Tonight in prime time is when the quarterbacks throw and all that. So we'll cover that on tomorrow's show. But we're going to talk about all the stuff that went down with the press and some of the workouts and all of that today. And so to do that, our friend who is on the scene covering things for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. Mr. George Bremer. George, what's going on, sir? Man, winding down. It feels kind of nice. I think it's my 12th combine and uh, kind of put it in the rearview mirror now and just enjoy the workouts tomorrow and get ready for the draft. George, you said it was a lot less crowded today. That must have been awesome for you to be able to actually move around in there. Yeah, it's really nice. Saturday is always the best day in that regard. It's the worst day because you're just dog tired. You know, it's the end of the week and you've been there every day. Uh, but it's the best day because there's maybe 25, 30% of the crowd the rest of the week. A lot easier to move around, a lot easier to get a question in. Uh, just, you know, from a media standpoint, much, much better day. And even though there's fewer people, there's still just as many. Have you met with this team? 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 <laughs> it never ends. You know, would you like to play with this legend? Would you like <laughs> to play with that legend? If If you're a quarterback and, you know, you go to a team that had a good quarterback, they're going to ask you about him, running back, it doesn't matter. Uh, and I've yet to see the player who's like, you know what? No, I will not play for that team. I don't care if they do draft me. I'm holding out. Not a chance. We'll get to this later, but Joe Alt was asked about blocking for Aaron Rodgers. And of course, predictably, he said, sure, I'd love to block for Aaron Rodgers. I would love it if, like you said, one of these guys would out of nowhere say something wild like no I don't want to block for Aaron Rodgers I grew up a Chicago Bears fan screw that guy or something like that you know what I mean right right you know (laughs) like that might actually be an interesting moment most time though they they give you exactly what you expect like you said you know of course 
Yeah, I would love it. It's a dream. To, you know, most of them after about the second or third question, we'll just start telling you, I'd love to play for anybody. And that's, <laughs> that's just my dream. Wherever they'll have me. Well, whatever position they want you to play is where you're willing to play. That's what a lot of these guys will say, especially offensive linemen who have versatility. And one of those guys is Elijah Vera Tucker. We've heard him say it many times because he has played all over the offensive line. The only place he hasn't played yet for the Jets is center. And the buzz right now is that Elijah Vera Tucker, who has bounced between guard and tackle and whose best position, I believe, is guard. I think most people would think that as well. It sounds like, according to Brian Costello of the New York Post, things he's hearing indicate that there will be a permanent switch for Elijah Vera Tucker to tackle. The Jets will look to grab two guards in free agency, probably draft a tackle at number 10, and that will be their strategy. In one sense, I get it because in the short run, that might be the most efficient way to fill out the line. But in the long run, I don't know that that's the best move because honestly, I think Vera Tucker's a much better guard. I think he's a solid to good tackle, but has the makings of an elite guard. And so you hate to see them take him out of his best position. But I do understand it because right now, all hands are on deck and they're just trying to do whatever they can to try and win within this short window where they presumably have Aaron Rodgers between the next year to, if they're lucky, three years. And so if that means grabbing Elijah Vera Tucker, pulling him aside and telling him you're moving to tackle permanently because it's easier to fill out guard in free agency, then I guess that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to make hard choices. I and mean, like you said, uh, especially when you're trying to turn it around, in, in a very short period. This isn't a five-year plan, right? But you don't know how much longer you've got Aaron Rodgers. It needs to get better right now, today. And so, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's not as permanent as, you know, it's one of those things where I wonder how permanent is permanent here? Is it just the next couple of years? Maybe he does eventually move back to guard if things work out. Uh, but I think you've definitely got an easier time finding guards on the open market who can come in and do a really good job. And this draft is deep at offensive tackle at the top. I mean, it's not going to be deep in day three, uh, but there's a lot of guys on day one that they feel like are worthy of that first-round pick, of two or three that are top ten worthy. Uh, so I think if you're the Jets, that's probably the best way that this lines up. should say that Costello revealed that information on the podcast of our old friend Boy Green, Paul Eston. So if you haven't heard that, that's where you can find it. And where you can find what a lot of these guys said today at the Combine is on George's Twitter and, of course, the Herald Bulletin because that's where he'll be posting everything. George, you got to hear from Joe Alt and quite a few other offensive linemen today. Who'd you talk to and what were some of the more interesting things that were said? Yeah, you know, Joe Alt... He was kind of as advertised. You, you think about these Notre Dame guys, and it just feels like every year there's a Notre Dame offensive lineman who's in here and is, is you know near the top of the draft. And they're all just real polished guys, real comfortable in front of the media, uh, and you know they've just been dominant linemen. It's been something the Irish have just been almost a factory for lately. And I think uh, all is unique in the fact that his dad played at Notre Dame. His dad played in the NFL. His dad was a tight end for two years. Then he moved to tackle. And they kind of came together as father and son and said, you know what? That's the path I should take. And so he went to Notre Dame as a tight end, knowing eventually he was going to go to tackle. Uh, and he said he just he feels like that helped him out so much with footwork, using his athleticism. And he feels like that athletic background is ultimately 
what separates him from, from everybody else in this class. It's why he feels like, you know, any NFL team that gets him is going to get a unique player. Uh, I think interestingly, in addition to his dad having played uh, football, you know, at the highest levels, it's a hockey family. And he played hockey through about second grade. After that, the skates didn't fit anymore. He moved to the basketball court. And obviously his future's in football. George, you also got a chance to talk with Kingsley Sumataya, the tackle from BYU, who may be a guard in the NFL, but he also could probably play right or left because he's ambidextrous. By the way, also worth noting that one of his family members, his cousin, is Penny Sewell, so he talked quite a bit about what that's meant to him and how much Penny Sewell has influenced him as well. Yeah, he's got a big outgoing personality too. One of those very friendly, booming boys, uh, almost stereotypical offensive lineman in some ways as far as his personality goes. But it was one of the, you know, one of the, I don't want to say crazier, one of the more unique moments of the combine this year when Stacey Dales of NFL Network asked him, he's ambidextrous, as, as you mentioned, he used to take notes with both hands in class. It helped him, he felt like, get even more info out there. Uh, so she asked him to write his name with both his right and left hand, and he did it right there at the podium. Uh, and it didn't look like much difference. So it didn't look like one was, was stronger than the other. Um, but you do wonder, you know, is that something that, that will help him on the offensive line? You hear about guys, you were just talking about Elijah Vera Tucker. You hear about guys switching all the time. I think every offensive line coach loves that versatility. Let you get your best five out there. You can move certain guys around. Um, he seems like a guy who would be very comfortable on either side. Uh, and I think that could really that could really be a difference maker for him as teams are sitting down trying to separate these prospects. Speaking of prospects, a guy that probably isn't going to go on day one, maybe at some point on day two, though, and potentially day three. So there's a guy that the Jets might be able to get in the third or fourth round. Kieran Amagaji. The offensive tackle from Yale, obviously an intelligent guy if he's attending Yale, and he had a few interesting things to say today. Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost with him, just having an offensive tackle from Yale here is unique enough, right? You don't, they're not really a football factory. You don't see Yale prospects dotting all over the the podiums. It wasn't like Michigan where there's 18 of his teammates here, Uh, but he's an early entrant, and that's even more uncommon. Because you figure, again, if you go to an Ivy League school, you're there more for the education than you are for, uh, you know, football. But, of course, with COVID, you know, he's a four-year guy. He's already graduated. And the Ivy League doesn't recognize that COVID year. They did, you don't have to, obviously, something that the NCAA granted everybody. But as a conference, they decided that, you know, no, we're not going to give you an extra year of eligibility. So he basically had two choices you know you could transfer go to a bigger program maybe get your name out there a little more raise your draft stock or he could go ahead and enter the nfl draft and he said his dream was never to play college football it was always to play in the pros this was his first opportunity so he's going to go ahead and take it he also said in 10 years he's going to be looked back upon as the best tackle in this class That would be one heck of an accomplishment considering how deep this offensive line class is. And it includes J.C. Latham, the giant tackle out of the University of Alabama, 360 pounds. I will say, George, one thing that struck me about J.C. Latham is that even though he's 360 pounds, 
he really carries it well. I wouldn't have known he was 360. If you would have asked me by looking at him at the podium, I would have said he's probably closer to 330, 340. He spoke, talked about how he wants to see one-on-ones brought back to the combine, but also about how he wants to get in some left tackle reps. He played left tackle in high school. He believes he could play left or right in the pros. If he's right, it could really help his draft stock because obviously when your pigeonhole is just the right tackle, there are some teams that are going to look at you and say, I don't know, we want a guy that can play left tackle to protect the quarterback's blind side. But if teams feel comfortable with J.C. Latham being able to play either tackle spot, that could boost him up quite a bit. Nothing else that shows his intelligence. Just coming out and saying he wants to play left tackle. Good marketing ploy. Uh, even if even if that's not something that he can ultimately do when he gets there, uh, like you said, it, it may interest the market. It may increase his market. You know, more people saying, "Okay, look, if he can play on the left side, he's up more valuable, more value to us." Just like we were talking about, you move the offensive linemen around all the time. Injuries uh, from year to year, the, the changing makeup of the line. There's all kinds of reasons that you love to have offensive linemen who can play multiple positions. It just helps you so much uh, when you're trying to put that unit together from not just one year to the next, but one week to the next. Um, like you're talking about with his body, I, I think he almost looks more like a basketball player, which a 360 guy is hard to – it's really hard to say that, uh, but he does. He looks more like he's you know going to be down on the block playing in the post uh, than he does necessarily getting into the trenches, and I think – that, too, might speak to athleticism. He moves really well for, for a big guy. Um, you know, th- those are all things I would think are going to help him to stand out. And, again, what is a really deep and really talented offensive line class? Another player who can probably play both left and right tackles, Patrick Paul of Houston, somebody who may go late first or sometime in the second round. So I've talked about him as a possibility for the Jets if they're able to get into the second round somehow. He spoke, and he's another guy where he's really big, but he carries it well, 6'7", 320 pounds. He said that if a team drafts him, what they're going to get is a guy with tremendous athleticism and upside and somebody who has a hunger to learn and a thirst to constantly improve, a leader in the locker room, somebody who's always going to be a positive for the team and the culture of that team. Good answers by Patrick Paul. Yeah, and you know, I think if you've seen one thing over the last few years with, with the offensive linemen, it is that athleticism trend. It just feels like more and more these guys, they, they move more fluidly. Uh, they're even getting a little bit quicker. I don't think they're ever going to be confused with with the skill guys there, but you know, both I think the athleticism at that position group as a whole, not just tackles, um, you know, across the board has really soared. And I think that's a lot of that's due to the college game and in the way that they're doing things now, you know, um, it, it just such a more emphasis on playing in space, you know, moving your feet, being able to be a fluid athlete. And I think you're seeing that come out. Uh, and more and more offensive linemen as, as they enter these drafts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Amarius Mims, the offensive tackle from Georgia, who's had some injury issues and is viewed as a little bit of a developmental player, but somebody who could turn into an outstanding tackle with the right coaching, talked about how he really wants to improve his run blocking. That's something that people have focused in on as an area where he needs to pick up his game. Clearly, he's aware of it, and I'm sure he's been working at it, but it's good to know that he's ready to attack it from day number one. 
I think that is goes hand in hand with what I was just talking about. As you get these athletic guys a little bit lighter on their feet, uh, you find less and less, less rope graders out there. You know, and I think that's what teams really start looking for because they always want what's not on the market, right? I mean, if you've got 10 guys that can do one thing, you really want the 11th guy who can do something else. It's just nature of things. And I think that's something that, you know, again, because of the way the college offenses have gone, you just have fewer guys, maybe the Michigan guys, maybe the Notre Dame guys are used to, to power run game. Um, but there aren't too many. You know, I mean, most teams are in the shotgun now. You're running an up-tempo scheme. Uh, you just don't get a lot of those reps in college. And I think it's something that if you can do that, if you can improve that part of your game, it can definitely set you apart. Speaking of setting yourself apart, Jackson Powers Johnson, the outstanding center from the University of Oregon, arguably the top interior offensive lineman in the draft, says he plans to set himself apart in the NFL with his physical, enthusiastic, and nasty play style. Sounds like a guy who's tailor-made to play for the Jets, but also a guy that many teams are going to be interested in. Who wouldn't want a physical, enthusiastic, and nasty offensive lineman? And there you go. You know, I mean, just you're talking about having that run-blocking mentality, you know, having that nasty mentality. It sounded a lot, honestly, like what Quentin Nelson said when he came here. It said mm-hmm. something about blocking a guy through his soul or something insane like that. Uh, but, you know, that that kind of mentality, um, I think you need that on the offensive line. You need those tough guys uh, who aren't going to, to you know, back down, especially in fourth quarter when things are getting really tough and you need those yardage either to protect the lead or to try to get back in the game. And you've got a guy out there who's nasty who's kind of making the defensive linemen not want to do their job so much anymore, that that can honestly be the difference in, in probably two or three wins a year. Cedric Van Pran, the other top center in this draft from the University of Georgia, spoke at the Combine as well. He said that he's been meeting with a bunch of teams, feels like he's been acing the meetings, and he's excited for conversations about his future. He sounds like a guy who's ready, willing, and able to go anywhere and is just going to be happy for the opportunity, which I think in a lot of ways describes most of these guys. They just want to get back on the field and start throwing guys around. Absolutely. I think they're all ready and willing. I think that that able part, you know, is is the big one. And that, again, I think you just have so many more versatile guys. And it does help them to, to be able to, to fit in wherever they go. Now, coaching is going to matter. The guys around you are going to matter. I think we don't – I don't know if we rate that well enough. Uh, you know, what, what situation are you walking into? We talk about it a lot with quarterbacks. But that's true in every position on the field. And I think the offensive line, more than any other group, it's so critical for them to have that chemistry, to be able to play off of one another. Um, and I just think the more versatile you are, the more willing you are to, to you know, fit into whatever role will help the team, the better off that it's going to be for everybody. Because obviously you can just kind of get there, go through training camp and realize, okay, this is what they need from me. I'm comfortable doing that because there's so many different things that I can do. 
Duke offensive lineman Graham Barton has met with a bunch of teams, says that he believes his biggest strength, and this is something he's been pitching during meetings, is his versatility. He believes he can play guard or tackle in the NFL, maybe even center. So it's good to have a guy that can play that many positions. As we talked about before with Elijah Vera Tucker, it really helps out, especially when guys go down. You know that you can take a guy like Graham Barton and plug him in anywhere. Yeah, I think every offensive line coach loves to have a couple of those guys around. Uh, you can just kind of be utility guys. You got to be careful, though, too, especially when they're young, uh, because I feel like sometimes you end up being a jack of all trades, master of none. And so it's nice to still have that primary position, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, so you've got that base. You've got one spot, at least, that, that you're proving at. You're able to build, you know, one week to another on, uh, but having that versatility, being able to step in when needed is invaluable. George, here's something that caught my eye, and it takes both of your pet peeves from the combine and combines them into one. Javon Foster, the offensive tackle from Missouri, was asked if he'd met with the 49ers. Have you met with the 49ers? And then he was asked if he would like to be on the same line blocking with Trent Williams. Would you like to block with a legend? So both questions played right into what drives you crazy about the combine. I thought they were funny. What's he supposed to say? No, I don't want to play for the 49ers. And no, I don't want to block with Trent Williams. <laughs> don't put me on a line with Trent Williams. That's not That's not going to work for me at all and it, honestly look they've all met with all 32 teams they either have already done it or they're going to be doing it in the near future unless they're at the very top of the draft caleb williams won't meet with all 32 teams 98 percent of these guys will uh and you know we'll see how it all shakes out for them. but yeah it, it, meeting with the team doesn't mean a thing let's talk about nate wiggins the cornerback from clemson because he was ridiculous in the 40-yard dash a 4-2-8, he turned some heads. Now, he actually ended up with a minor injury. Should be fine when it comes to pro days. But, whoo, that is some speed at cornerback, my friend. Tell you, too, he called a shot. I think that was one of the interesting things. Somebody was talking to him during his combine presser and it said that one of the sports books, they got odds on everything now, as you know. One of the sports books had the over-under at 4.55 on his 40. And he just said, I don't know who they're watching. And somebody said, well, you know, what, what's the fastest time you've run in, in practice so far? What, what do you expect to do, you know, when you get out there tomorrow? He said 4.27. So that's pretty good. Pretty cool. I'll take 4.28. Along the lines of excellent cornerbacks who are in this draft, George, Quinian Mitchell, who's one of the best players in this draft, could go in the top half of the first round out of Toledo. He had 20 on the bench press, which was the most in the cornerback group among the nine who participated. So some speed from Nate Wiggins and some strength from Quinion Mitchell. Yeah, Mitchell ran a 4-3-42. So uh, I think those two guys probably made themselves a little bit of money this week. You know, I just feel like uh, both of them also just from the little bit of time they were in, the, in front of the media, very competitive guys. Uh, Mitchell in particular has a, that chip on his shoulder coming from a small school said he had opportunities to transfer out of Toledo to go to a bigger program but he wanted to be loyal Toledo was the school that stuck with him he had some academic problems late in his high school career Toledo stuck with him gave him that scholarship he didn't want to take off and, and you know turn his back on them later and now he says he wants to show that it's not all about power five guys there are really good players in the group of five, too. And obviously, you know, he showed this week he's one of them. 
We've talked about how Daniel Jeremiah likes to give us an insight into the way scouts compare measurements and different physical attributes with players who are in the league right now and players that are coming into the draft. The guy that Quinion Mitchell is compared to here is Marshawn Lattimore, a pretty good comparison. Also, Terry and Arnold compared to Jalen Johnson. So we're talking about two guys being compared to two of the best cornerbacks in the league. And I thought this was interesting, too. Daniel Jeremiah really likes this one. He says it's his favorite comp for the entire draft class. Brock Bowers, who did not run a 40, is compared via measurement and physical characteristics to an old friend of yours, George, Dallas Clark. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Dallas Clark over the years. Like I said, Daniel Jeremiah's best line, I think, so far has been that that uh, Brock Bowers is George Kittle and Dallas Clark's body. I don't know what that means, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's an awful interesting line. Now, Pete Prisco is saying... Uh, reporting out there that the Brock Bowers hasn't been interviewing well with teams. I think, you know, maybe the top 14 picks should just go ahead and pass on him. I think that might be a good idea. (laughs) Hey, you never know. Like I said, Kyle Hamilton went 14th, so it's definitely possible that Bowers slides all the way down to 15 with the Colts. Drake May, I thought this is interesting. He was talking about the Giants and said that he thinks Brian Dable is one of the best offensive minds out there, really admires Eli Manning. It sounds like the Giants are a place that Drake May would love to go to. It doesn't look like that's going to happen because he's probably going to go within the top three picks. So, of course, now Giants fans are pounding their fists on the table going, damn it, could have had this guy if only Tommy Cutlets hadn't won a game or two he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, I tell you what, you always have some regrets this time of year, right? You look back and you think, man, it just lost one or two more games. You're going to be in position to, to, to make this happen. I mean, you assume Drake May's going to Washington. Assumptions are always dangerous, especially this time of year. But right now, that seems to be the way the wind is blowing. I think that's one of the things, too, that, that's dangerous for these prospects. When they get asked questions about specific teams, try to be as generic as you can because you don't want to make it look like you're disappointed. You know, some of them, you, you get a little too excited about one team. Uh, once the draft comes around, people may go back, call back to that and say, well, you really want him to be a giant. Uh, you, you don't really want to enter with, with that kind of thing hanging over your head. George, yesterday we talked about Diana Rossini of The Athletic having a report about Justin Fields and how maybe the market for him wasn't as hot as people thought. Along those lines, our friends over at U-Stadium are reporting that the Falcons, who are considered the heavy favorite to Landfields in a trade, are really focused more on trying to sign Kirk Cousins. Fields isn't somebody that they're all that enamored with, and that continues along the thought process that maybe the Bears are not going to get what they were hoping for for Justin Fields. This whole thing reminds me so much of what went down with the Jets and Sam Darnold because at first you're hearing, I don't know what the Jets could get. Then you're hearing the Jets might even be able to get a first-round pick for Sam Darnold because so many teams see so much potential in him and they just think that he was wasted in his situation. Then you're hearing, ah, maybe the market is a little lukewarm. And then ultimately the Jets got what I'd consider pretty good value, a two, a four, and a six. I think that's probably what ends up happening here. Somebody will give up a two and a four or something along those lines. But it does sound like he's not as hot a commodity as some would have led you to believe a week or two ago. Absolutely. And I think... To me, yeah, I know the Bears have been out there on the record saying things like, well, uh, we would like to 
get this done before free agency, move quickly like they did last year when they traded number one overall pick. Uh, but I don't know that that's something that, that they're going to have the luxury of doing. I mean, I, they may be better suited right now to wait things out for what you just said, to let the Kirk Cousins market play out, to let the Russell Wilson market play out, to, to let the chips fall everywhere else around the league. Then you might have more value. That might even mean waiting until after the draft and not getting that capital this year be interested to see how things play out what do they value more do they want to know you know what they've got in in return for him and have that set do they want those assets this year or do they want to get the biggest return possible because i don't think that you're going to be able to do both george bremer covering the cults in the nfl for cnhi sports and the herald bulletin in anderson indiana thanks so much for coming on and talking about day number six with us at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Really appreciate it. Be sure to check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. 